Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Friday, August 6th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the state's hospitals are drowning in a flood of new COVID-19 admissions. Then a new report indicates poor families aren't getting the help they need. Plus, COVID vaccinations tick up in the Deep South. And it's a good time to visit a Mississippi art museum. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi's latest COVID-19 outbreak threatens to become the state's largest to date. Yesterday, the Department of Health recorded over 2,000 new cases of the disease. That's troubling news for hospitals, which are already stretched thin. Dr. Thomas Dobbs is the state health officer. Yesterday, we reported 178 new hospitalizations in a single day. And this is on top of a hospital system that is already overburdened, overfilled, and limited to, you know, non-existing uh, intensive care unit space. The vast majority of our major medical centers are reporting zero ICU capacity. Most are using accessory mechanisms to care for those individuals, and almost all of them are using their intensive or their ERs as almost like accessory uh, intensive care units, which causes its own issues, because obviously that's hard to take care of folks in the, in the ERs, ICU level of care, but also it interferes with the functions of the normal emergency departments and the other healthcare needs that we, we have. We currently have 1,147 folks in the hospital with COVID, 299 in the ICU, and 150 on mechanical ventilations and on ventilators or life support. The situation is especially dire in the Jackson Metro, where hospitals have been repeatedly hit hard by virus outbreaks over the past year and a half. Here's Dr. Luann Woodward of the University of Mississippi Medical Center. We are at this moment over capacity. We have been over to capacity here at the medical center most of the summer, honestly, and it it almost starts to feel like a new normal, but it's not. It is not. We're holding patients in the emergency department. We're holding patients um, in the recovery room after surgery that can't get to a room. This is, it's not a new normal. It is not a good place to be. We don't anticipate an updated case count until Monday. 
Coming up, a new report suggests one of the state's key government assistance programs is broken. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is Mississippi Edition. I'm Karen Brown. Mississippi families in need of government assistance aren't getting it. That's according to a new report from the left-leaning Center for Budget and Policy Priorities. The report specifically singles out the TANF, or Temporary Assistance for Needy Families program, as racist and inadequate. Ife Floyd is director of TANF Research at CBPP. TANF started in 1996, and it was dramatically different from what we had before in this country. So the program, TANF's predecessor, called Aid to Families with Dependent Children, or AFDC, provided cash assistance, mainly cash assistance, to families. But TANF dramatically changed that program in that there were now strict conditions in order to receive that cash assistance. So families had to, or parents rather, had to be engaged in some kind of work requirement or meeting other requirements, so some, perhaps some behavioral requirements. And the program now time-limited benefits where there was no broad time limit before. And there was also a major change in the funding structure between AFDC and TANF. AFDC was with a federal state match. So the federal government would match or reimburse states for up to a certain percentage for what they spent on AFDC. But when we transitioned to TANF, what we got was a fixed but flexible block grant. So that block grant has not changed in, in dollar amount since 1996 and has lost 40% of its value. There is in your report a map of the United States, and it shows that more than a third of the states have very little support from TANF for mm-hmm. people who really need that money. That's right. That's right. So I think what you're looking at is our map on the TANF to poverty ratios. And that's a very good example on how TANF really has not continued to serve people in poverty. So what, it, what that number is, looks at the number of families receiving TANF for every 100 in poverty. And nationally, that number was 68 in 1996, the year TANF started. And today that number is 23. But what we also see is wide variation across the country and that there are now 14 states where TANF has all but disappeared in terms of serving people. Mississippi is one of those states where TANF serves only four, that for Mississippi, it only serves four people. But in the 14 states, it serves 10 people for every 100 in poverty. And at the lower end, Mississippi is at the lower end at only serving four families for every 100 families in poverty. So Mississippi is really at the, the wrong end of the spectrum, not only in benefits, but also serving people. And yes, Mississippi, uh, it is not an accident 
that states with high black populations are among the states that have these really weak TANF programs. Now, Congress is writing legislation to address this and to assist poor families in, mm-hmm. uh, in a much larger fashion. So we're talking about child tax credits, rental assistance, child nutrition, child care, preschool. Again, mm-hmm. focus on children because it gets them off to a good start. If they're eating properly, if they're getting nutritious food, they're certainly going to do better in school. And mm-hmm. if they have access to early childhood education, they're going to do better as they move through school. What does CBPP expect or hope for if this kind of legislation goes through? You know, I, this could be, you know, a once-in-a-generation investment in people and families. And it really could, even, even though the focus is on children, it also has an impact on parents, right? If we do see kind of these broad and sweeping changes, and particularly an expansion of the child tax credit, let's just take that for example, right? Uh, a, a longer or more permanent expansion of the child tax credit. Families will have some assurances that they will be able to cover certain expenses for their kid. That makes a parent less stressed about, can we cover this bill? Can I pay for this school uniform or these school fees or whatnot? When parents are less stressed, they become able to be better parents, basically, right? I can certainly speak for myself. When I'm less stressed, I am more engaged with my kids. And what science tells us is that when kids don't have these robust supports that you're talking about, food assistance, housing stability, additional cash, right? When they are living in deprivation and an adult is not capable because they don't have the resources to kind of guard against that deprivation, right? That could produce what's called toxic stress which is an elevation of the stress hormone over a long time and can really impact the psychological and biological development of kids. But when parents and families are supported by the potential new investments that you're talking about, it strengthens parents and those parents can therefore help their kids be the best that they can be. So yes, it is about children and their long-term success, but it's also about enabling parents to provide that. And I do want to be clear to kind of, again, bring it back to the racial disparities and the link to systemic racism. As I said before, those people who are more likely to be in poverty and more likely to, to struggle with putting food on the table and affording rent are Black families our Latino families, and other families of color. So we have to ensure that we are moving policies in an anti-racist direction to make sure that they are accessible to all families so that all families can begin to, to, to maintain stability and, and hopefully thrive. Ife Floyd is the director of TANF Research and Analysis for the Center on Budget and Policy Priorities. Thank you very much for being with us. No problem. 
Mississippi's Department of Human Services oversees TANF within the state. We look forward to hearing the department's perspective on that CBPP report in the near future. Coming up, COVID vaccination rates creep up across the Deep South. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. A contractor ever tell you the price of something and it sounds so high you think, eh, maybe I'll try it myself. Some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. This is Mississippi Edition. Uh, I'm Karen Brown. Coronavirus cases and hospitalizations continue to surge across the Gulf states, but there is a glimmer of hope. Recent data shows an uptick in the number of people getting vaccinated in Alabama, Mississippi, and Louisiana. From our partner station, WBHM in Birmingham, Mary Scott Hodgen reports on what's prompting residents to roll up their sleeves. Hello, how are you doing today? It's Tuesday afternoon at Legion Field, a city football stadium in Birmingham. Nurse Alexandra Hilliard is part of the team here giving out COVID-19 vaccines. Have that muscle relax, so it won't hurt it. The state's vaccination rate is among the lowest in the nation. But Hilliard says today's turnout has been great. You know what? It has been beautiful today. I have been proud of Alabama today. The city is offering concert tickets as an incentive. One of more than 100 people who came by for a shot is 52-year-old Patrick Brown. How'd it go? Oh, it was great. It didn't hurt at all. It didn't hurt at all. I thought it was going to be a stab in the room, but yeah, it was good. Brown had been on the fence about getting vaccinated, but the current surge is making him nervous. I think it's just time. You know, um, I'm prolonged it long enough, you know, and to hear the news, and it's constantly about unvaccinated people that's being hospitalized and dying. Yes, that's very convincing. You know, I'd rather deal with the shot than to deal with COVID. For months, officials across the Gulf states have been trying to convince more people. Recently, those calls have become more urgent as COVID cases spike across the region, driven by the Delta variant. Here we are. It feels like deja vu. We're back. Dr. Luann Woodward, who leads the University of Mississippi Medical Center, laid out the bleak statistics at a press conference earlier this week. We're at this place again where nobody wanted to be and looking at it and wondering How much more can we take? This time around, officials say people hospitalized with the virus are younger and most are unvaccinated. Here's Alabama physician and hospital executive Dr. Jeremy Rogers. So this is absolutely heartbreaking what we're seeing. It's tragic and uh, and, and unfortunately it's, it's largely preventable. Preventable because the vaccine is still highly effective at preventing serious illness and death. Lately, that message is getting through to more people. The vaccination rates are ticking up in Mississippi and Alabama. In Louisiana, officials say the rate has increased fourfold over the past two weeks. Michael Eagle is getting his shot at Cahaba Medical Care, a community health center in Birmingham. He says the Delta variant convinced him to get vaccinated. I'm 62. I just turned 62 the other day. And it's making me nervous about the virus changing and how catchy they are. Contagious. 30-year-old Nancy Sanchez has asthma, and she's been nervous the whole time. But she put off getting the vaccine until now. She's at the clinic with her one-year-old son. She says she waited to see that everything went well for people she knows who got vaccinated. Health officials hope other people don't wait any longer. The recent uptick in vaccinations is a good sign. But still, fewer than 40 percent of residents in Alabama, Mississippi, and Louisiana are fully vaccinated. 
For the Gulf States Newsroom, I'm Mary Scott Hodgen. The Gulf States Newsroom is a partnership between WBHM, WWNO in New Orleans, and Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Coming up, Mississippi's art museums are free in August. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is Mississippi Edition. I'm Karen Brown. Mississippi's art explores the soul of the state, its natural beauty, the pain of its past, and the promise of its present. This month, you can experience it for free. All seven of the state's art museums will offer complimentary admission to everyone, both instators and visitors, throughout August. Anna Ergot is part of the Mississippi Arts Commission. Last year in 2020 represented a very tough year for the state's art museums. So a group of museum directors got together um, probably in the spring of 2021 and hatched this plan to offer free admission to uh, museums around the state for the month of August to encourage people to come back to the museums and just experience art in person again and start enjoying, you know, seeing art with each other once more. Is this the first time something like this has been done? I believe so, yes. Um, several uh, collaborations have taken place with our state's museums before, but this is, I believe, the largest one that we have had so far. There are seven museums, one sculpture garden and six museums, and seven different cities in Mississippi, which is great. Absolutely. You could very easily make a uh, Mississippi road trip out of this uh, campaign. All right. I want to start in the south and move to the north. (laughs) So (laughs) we'll start with Ocean Springs, the Walter Anderson Museum of Art. Tell us something about that. Sure. The Walter Anderson Museum of Art celebrates the work of the late uh, visual artist Walter Anderson. He is famous for his paintings and his printmaking, and uh, he is also very famous for traveling out to Horn Island, which is a barrier island of Mississippi, and drawing inspiration from the natural world around him. And the museum houses many of his paintings and prints, obviously, but also um, the little room or the secret room, which is a room that Walter Anderson painted in its entirety. And you can walk into that room and experience it. And it also has his boat that he used to paddle out to Horn Island very regularly during his career. In Biloxi, the Oro O'Keefe Museum of Art. That museum features the work of uh, Biloxi's Mad Potter, George Orr, and it is a very interesting museum to visit, not only to see the art contained within that museum, but also because it is uh, it has a very interesting architecture to boot, so that would also be a great uh, museum to visit. Next, we go to Laurel, the Lauren Rogers Museum of Art. That houses a very large collection of visual art and artifacts in our state. And, of course, it is also the location for the uh, HGTV series Hometown. So not only can you visit the Lauren Rogers Museum of Art and see the many uh, pieces of artwork on display there, but you can also travel around and look at the different houses that have been redone by Aaron and Ben and also visit the restaurants and um, several stores 
stores and other fun places. In Meridian, the Mississippi Arts and Entertainment Experience, I was there recently and just loved it. It's an amazing museum. Uh, I went a couple of years ago myself with the entire uh, Mississippi Arts Commission team was able to go and experience it. And it is a kind of a non-traditional museum in that it doesn't house a lot of artifacts per se, but it does have many exhibits and experiences, uh, very interactive experiences for visitors to engage with. Especially, um, there is one where you have, you sit in what is kind of like a boat and there are screens all around you and it feels like you are paddling through the Mississippi River and several different other rivers in the state. It shines a light on the Many, many famous Mississippians that, um, you know, had tremendous success in the fields of art and music and literature, as well as the culinary world as well. It's a lot of fun to visit. Probably what most people are familiar with is the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. Yes, and it is also a great time to visit the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. On the 13th of August, they will open up the Mississippi Invitational, which is an exhibit that happens only every other year and features specifically artists living and working in Mississippi. This year they have 42 artists, which is, I believe, the most, the largest number of artists who have participated to date and their work will be on display after August 13th. So that's definitely something to, to go visit and enjoy. On to Greenwood, now the Museum of the Mississippi Delta. Also another great museum to visit. They have a big collection of Native American artifacts in that museum. And of course, the Delta is always fun to visit, not only for the art that's contained within that museum, but also to visit the restaurants and, you know, perhaps even see live music going on there. Uh, We have one sculpture garden, the Matthew Sanders Sculpture Garden in Cleveland. Tell us about that. That is a really interesting uh, sculpture garden that came about, um, I believe, a couple of decades ago by two women who had a a vision to create the sculpture garden. And you can visit it. It's actually on the campus of of Delta State University right around the Bologna Performing Arts Center. And it's also very, very close to the Grammy Museum. So you could actually go see the sculpture garden and witness all the brilliant sculptures on that property and then just simply walk, go across the street and visit the Grammy Museum. The Grammy Museum is not included in this. uh, It's not included in this particular campaign, but but you could certainly. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, we're spending some money to see that. Absolutely. How does this work? Do you do you get a pass ahead of time? Do you just go to the museum and say, hey, I'd like to get in for free? Actually, what you should do before you head out to any of these museums is uh, Visit Mississippi is a campaign partner on this, and they've been very supportive. And you can visit their website, visit Mississippi, spelled out Mississippi.org, backslash art museums. And all you do is go to that website and fill out a very brief form. The form will send you an email that gives you pass into any of these museums. Can you use one one day and then go a week later to another one with the same pass? You could go visit any of these museums with the same pass. So any day, as many as you want. 
Any day, as many as you want. If you want to visit three museums in one day, that's perfect. If you really want to run a marathon and visit all seven museums in one day, you could certainly do that, too. Wow. <laughs> the timing may not work out for you so well. Anna Ergot is the Communications Director of the Mississippi Arts Commission. Anna, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.